Thank you, team, so much for leading us so well and love to celebrate baptism, life change. And uh, God is so good. He's so good. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in Acts chapter 6 and verses 1 through 7. And I had an opportunity to read that together just a few moments ago. And uh, as you might be turning there or turning your screens onto there, uh, I want to say a word. It's two words, it's a phrase. And and uh, I'm thinking there is going to be either an experience or there is going to be uh, there's going to be something that you associate with when I say these two words. Uh, and so here are the two words. Here's the phrase. The phrase is growing pains. All right. Now, in that moment, something popped in your head. It could have been if you're a child of the 80s. <laughs> You may think of Mike Seaver running around getting annoyed with Maggie and younger brother Ben and, and the show called Growing Pains and, and that song, As Long As We've Got Each Other, is ringing in your ears right now. And so uh, if that's you, you're welcome for that song now staying in your head the rest of the day. And so perhaps Growing Pains, um, perhaps it is literal growing pains. Like I'm thinking back middle school into high school, somewhere along the way. And I don't know what it was, but I always got leg cramps in the middle of the night. I don't know what the timing was on that. But I remember in the middle of the night, I would just be like, oh, my leg, my calf. Like it felt like, I mean, this is kind of gross, but it, you guys know what cramps feel like. So I'm not going to go there. But I just remember holding my legs up saying, mommy, mommy, help. And she's just like, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It means you're growing. And I'm like, I don't want to grow. I don't want to stay right where I'm at. This hurts. And so growing pains hurt. They can hurt. So that, maybe that's in your head or perhaps in your occupation, maybe the business that you work with or the company that you work for. Maybe you were a part of an acquisition where your company got absorbed into another company or your company absorbed another. And because of the addition and all of the new change, the systems that once worked now aren't working as well anymore. And so it's this whole new approach to working through whatever those growing pain, pains might be. Uh, and so th there are all these challenges that can come with growth. And the church is no different. The church is no different. I mentioned from Acts 1, from about 120 believers to Acts 6, which is where we are today, now estimated somewhere in the neighborhood of 20,000 believers. It all started there, Acts 2, Peter... The Apostle Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the day of Pentecost. There's thousands, countless thousands of Jews that are in the mountain city of Jerusalem to celebrate. And it's there that Peter preaches. He's full of the Spirit. He preaches the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. His message is all about Jesus and how Jesus is the only hope that we have. And 3,000 people accepted Jesus as the Lord on that day. And can you imagine the baptism service there in Jerusalem on that day? 3,000 people. And just a few verses later in Acts chapter 2, it talks about how the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In Acts chapter 4, Peter is on the Temple Mount. A lame man who had literally could not have walked for he was over 40 years old. His friends would lay him at the gate of the temple and every day... As people would go, they would pass by this beggar, and yet it was 
through this incredible miracle that Christ, through the apostles, through their faith, heals this beggar. And now they're on the Temple Mount and everybody sees what's going on and the multitudes come around. And what does Peter do? Full of the Spirit. He preaches the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. He preaches how Jesus is man's only hope for salvation. And the Bible says that 5,000 men accepted Christ. Now, if you're here and you can testify to God's grace toward you, that when you repented of your sin and placed your faith and trust in Christ, He saved you. He transforms lives. That's what He does. And can you imagine those men going back? Perhaps their brides were right there on the Temple Mount as well. Maybe they were at the house. I don't know. But can you imagine those men going, sharing with their wives the change that Christ had made in their lives? Their children. And you see these multitudes of people coming to faith. In Acts chapter 5 verse 14, the Bible says, More than ever believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. The church is literally just exploding in growth because of the power of the gospel through God's people filled with the Holy Spirit sharing the good news about Jesus. And multitudes are being saved. Now it has been said that the Lord adds. It has been said that the Lord subtracts. It has been said that the Lord multiplies. But the Lord never divides. He never divides. He doesn't divide. In Acts we have seen the enemy's attempts to destroy the church. It came through persecution. There earlier in Acts, we read about how all the apostles, they were arrested because they were preaching that Jesus is the only way that salvation is found in him alone. They preached the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus. And they were arrested and, and all those the Sanhedrin could come up with was just stop talking about Jesus. And the Bible talks about how they, they, they beat them. And that when they walked away from being beaten by these religious leaders, that the Bible says that they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And that only served to add fuel to the young church, fuel to the gospel fire. And they continued to grow. The, the, the enemy tried to corrupt the church, corrupt the church through uh, lack of integrity and character lying to the Holy Spirit, Ananias and Sapphira. They lost their lives on that day. Can't stop the church. And now today we are going to see all of the makings of the possibility for the train to get off the rails in the local church. But by God's grace and through his power and through his wisdom, he's going to guide the early church through a very difficult situation. There's going to be a very real need that needs to be addressed and it will. But it's important for us as the body of Christ to understand that when rough stuff comes and rough stuff will come. My thought is probably all of us have been through those rough times. And many of us have experienced rough times in the local church. But yet that there is always a right way to go through a rough situation. A right way to go the rough situation. So by God's grace, help us to be 
wise. Help us to be discerning. Help us to be godly as we walk through difficult challenges, tensions, and misunderstandings. But today we are going to see the right way through a rough situation. A rough situation. Now I mentioned, the Holy Spirit is doing a mighty work in the life of the church. And in a lot of ways, I can almost sense the apostles just trying to stay in front of it all. You know, um, that, that if you've ever tried building an airplane in the air, like I almost feel like this is kind of what's going on because the church is exploding and they're trying to stay a step ahead. There's so many needs and, and, um, and, 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 and opportunities that need to be addressed and the church is going to respond to this growth through the Holy Spirit's leadership. And so here we go. Let's jump in. Acts chapter 6, verse 1. The Bible says this. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So there was a daily distribution of food. Um, the, the, the early church was marked by a sacrifice, was marked by generosity. There were all kinds of needs. Many Jews would come there to Jerusalem to worship. And, and when these Jews came to worship there, they heard the gospel and they responded to the gospel. Many of them stayed. Many of them had jobs on the Temple Mount. And so you can imagine that they lost their jobs quickly when they accepted Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And so there's all kinds of needs. There's all kinds of needs all over this young church. And the Bible says that a complaint arose between the Hellenists against the Hebrews. Now, within the Jewish world, there were two types of Jews. There were the Hellenistic Jews and there were the Hebrew Jews. The Hellenistic Jews uh, were those who, they were Messianic Jews. They had received Jesus as Messiah. Uh, but they primarily were Greek-speaking. And, and, and they were a part of the church having been dispersed over time. And so these Jews were spread out all over. And so they would actually gather in synagogues and they would worship together around the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures. The, the, the scriptures they used would be called the Septuagint. That's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures. And so they would gather. And so you can imagine they're coming. They've been dispersed. They're coming to Jerusalem. They are, they are the, minor, the minority of the group. So they're coming to faith in Christ. They're a part of this young church. They're a part of the minority. And then you have the Hebrew Jews who were the locals. They were the locals. They read the Hebrew Scriptures. They clung tightly to the Hebrew Scriptures. As far as culture goes, they were the majority. And so anytime you talk about getting this many people together, that there is the potential to see things differently, different perspectives, challenges. And so there's a, a potential for, for a lot of challenging things to go on. And so this complaint has arose by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. Now I mentioned, it's important for us to, to hear with our hearts this morning, the Lord never divides. He never divides. But the enemy will do his very best to. You look at descriptions of the enemy, it talks about how he's, how he's a thief. He comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. You hear the description of the enemy being like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You hear him being described as the father of lies. 
And so the enemy is doing a lot of work to divide the local church. My hunch, he's, he's doing it. He's, he's attacking, would love to attack the family. He'd love to divide the family. He would love to divide, uh, kind of build wedges in between those most intimate relationships that we have. And so the enemy is at work. And he's no doubt seeking to create division, dissension, disruption. He's doing everything he can because he knows that if a church can get wrapped up in divisive topics, in a spirit of division, that it will, it, will, it will diminish evangelistic heart. It will take the focus off of the mission, and it will turn it inward. And so this is just a good moment just in this text to just say a quick time out, and just to be encouraged and reminded that God does not divide, and a divisive spirit is not of the Lord. There is value in seeing things from different perspectives. There's things in seeing challenges, concerns. There's always a right way. There's always a right approach to go to that person, go to that leader, have a conversation. Completely appropriate to disagree. Matter of fact, as we continue in Acts, we're going to see even Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement. And they had, to, they had to go different routes. But you can work through anything. You can work through anything. And so with a right spirit, not a divisive spirit, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says that there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So there is this encouragement. There's this encouragement to be wise as we walk through what will no doubt be challenging times. One of the greatest things that we can gift each other and really anybody is a little thing called the benefit of the doubt. So that before, if, if there is a challenge, if there's something you're wrestling through, it's, it's, it's tempting to kind of in your mind or in our minds to kind of solidify this like, here's what I know is happening. Here's what. But rather, when you walk into those difficult circumstances, just to give the benefit of the doubt, to give the benefit of the doubt, God, 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 through God, we can talk through, work through anything. We can. The church can. So here are the facts. Here's what's going on. A complaint is being revealed. And there's a minority group that is feeling marginalized within the church. And even if it's unintentional, it doesn't change the fact that that feeling they're having is real. And the hurt that they're experiencing is real. And so this challenge comes. And the apostles were in this season. They didn't have mass email. They didn't have group me. They didn't have a group text. They didn't have this mass form of communication. They literally called everybody together. I don't know how many made that first family meeting or, or you know, but, but here they are. They're all gathering together. The apostles are doing by God's grace, no doubt, their very best to provide guidance to people in need. They're 
teaching the word, they're addressing sin, they're, they're, they're striving to stay in front of everything that's going on, the physical needs. Can you imagine the physical needs that needed to be addressed, needed to be cared for, needed to be tended to? They had massive, massive growth. There is possible in all of that that something could get overlooked, and it did. It did. And so what's the right way to work through a rough situation? One is, is to embrace the challenge and not to ignore it. Embrace the challenge and not to ignore it. I, I find it, it amazing that in, in this particular circumstance, that the disciples could, man, if anybody had a, could have just kind of like said, here's all the reasons why this hasn't worked out well, they could have. I mean, with all that they had, going on but but as I read the text I don't see them giving excuses I don't see them uh, losing their temper I don't see them responding in frustration I think that these these apostles are doing what's one of the hardest things to do and that is that they they took they took ownership that they saw they saw they saw what was going on and they didn't ignore it they didn't like try to sweep it under the rug and pretend like, no, there's, there's no, you know, there's nothing going on here. But, but there was a very much a challenge to work through. And so they embraced it and they owned it and they could have gotten very frustrated. <laughs> like, have you ever like been misunderstood? Like, like you've done all of, you know, whatever. And then like you're being misunderstood and it just, it gets, it's hard. Like these apostles, they could have been like, do you know what I've gone through the past, you know, few weeks, the past few months? You know that all we've done, but they, they didn't. They didn't go down that road. They simply understood that through kind of the noise that there was a real need that needed to be addressed. And so they wanted to move forward. And so they, they didn't spend time uh, trying to say why it wasn't an issue. They, they embraced it and they moved forward. That until you own it, you can't address it. And, and I was telling my, my kids were all here in the 8 a.m. service. Elijah's still here. And, and uh, hey, buddy. And uh, I told him, I was like, you know, one of the things that we talk about all the time in our house is owning it. <laughs> own it. Just own your part. It's so easy to be like, you know, like, but this, but this, but this, but this is like, no, but what's your part? What's your part? And so they're seeing their part and they're not going to sweep it on the rug because you sweep it on the rug, it makes a big mound. And the more you sweep it on the rug, the bigger the mound gets and you're just going to trip over it every time. And so they are, they are digging into what's going on. In verse 2 it says, And the twelve, the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples. And they said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. That had to have been the hardest thing in the world to say. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I was going to say, I'm a people pleaser. I don't know if anybody else is in the house, but, but people pleaser. And it's, it hurts when you let somebody down. It hurts when you let somebody down. And you think about those apostles, and, and I think about those brothers, and and I don't know of the 12, maybe Peter didn't so much worry about being a people pleaser, but maybe some of those other guys, but at least some of them, it had to have been so hard to say, I see the need, I know it's real, but I, I can't do it. I can't do it. There's so much going on. But the 
hardest thing had to be say, I can't do it. So they own it. They're going to fix it. We're going to see. But they protected God's priorities in the midst of all this and didn't neglect them. If we're looking like what's the right way to work through a rough situation, you embrace it, don't ignore it, but you protect God's priorities. Protect God's priorities. Again, 20,000 church members. I'm sure there was no lack of needs that needed to be met. Maybe you can relate. There's so much that needs to be done. So much that needs to be done. And it's possibly to have that feeling of overwhelmed. But this truth of sometimes you have to say no to good and important things in order to say yes to the very best things. It's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson, especially for the people pleasers in the house. Sometimes it's hard that if you don't say yes to God's priorities for your life, you can say yes to everyone else's priorities for your life. And the, the, the principles are, are true across the board. And so by God's grace, these apostles protected God's priorities. Verse 3 says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, good reputation, full of the Spirit. So they lived lives surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Full of wisdom, different than knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. Whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. So they, they're going to get a plan. They have a plan. They're going to work towards the plan. But yet this whole mass of people heard out the reason why. That they personally weren't able to do it. They needed to protect God's priorities in their life. We need to protect God's priorities in our life. And yet because these believers were gathered. The Holy Spirit in them seeking the Lord. It was right for them. It was right. That is the right thing to do. The Holy Spirit brings unity among God's people. As God's people live yielded to His leadership so how does this work how does it how do we move forward there is a real problem we have to protect God's priorities over our life so what do we do and I love what they do they involve God's people and they don't dismiss them they involve God's people the apostles job description was to pray to minister the word and as Ephesians 4 says equip the saints for the work of the ministry even just this week, I was just thinking mentally of all of the work and the ministry that is going on through the saints, through this local faith family. I think about that leadership team for little blessings. I think about the, 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 the volunteers that serve so faithfully. I think of all the setup. I think of all the, the teardown. I think of all the, the organization of all of that. And just you see saints in the work of the ministry. I think about... A group of men that gathered at 8 a.m. to load 7,000 pounds of rice into a, 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 a cart. I can't think of the right word to say it. A, a big cart that, that is probably in the port of New Orleans right now because it's going to get on a boat and it's going to go to Honduras ahead of the mission team that's going to go so the saints can go and share the gospel and keep the gospel moving forward. I think of teams of people that went out to... These houses right around our neighborhood and they went and they knocked on doors and they asked, 
How can we pray for you? How can we serve you? I think of all the unknown ministry efforts that are happening, invisible to all of our eyes, but yet people are personally investing themselves in the lives of those who are broken and those who are in need, and they're being the hands and feet of Jesus, and they're loving on people. I think of even on this Sunday morning, how the saints have kind of found different areas of serving, whether it's the youngest kiddos over in the preschool ministry, or the kids ministry upstairs next door, or the student ministry. I think of all the Sunday school leadership that invests and serve. I think of our worship teams. I think of our tech team. I think of our security team. I think of our hospitality team. I think of all of these teams that, 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 that understand God has gifted me with, with, with passions and He's gifted me with gifts. And they're, they're serving like that is the beauty of the church. The church is the body and the body moves together, serves together. Paul describes the church as the body of Christ. Every believer serving in their unique way, moving the mission forward. Every believer called to full-time ministry. So I talk about that in our first step when we have folks come and they want to learn more about the church or they feel like the Lord's calling them to join our faith family. Is One of the things we say is like, congratulations, as a believer, you are in full-time Christian ministry, right? You may not have like the word pastor or director or missionary beside your name, but you are a missionary. You are a gospel witness. You are in full-time ministry. God has gifted you with spiritual gifting. He's given every one of you at least one spiritual gift, passions. And, and where those cross is your sweet spot. And when you serve the Lord in those ways, there's such fulfillment that comes. We need you. You need us. We all need each other. And a believer will never be fulfilled apart from serving in the ministry. And so if we're going to make a dent in the darkness for King Jesus, for His glory, for His mission, it's everybody. It's every believer all in. Every believer all in. It says in verse 5, it says, They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. And these they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Here's what I love about this strategy of involving God's people. Is that every single one of those names are Greek names. In other words, the apostles and the providence and the wisdom of God and the direction of God. They're like, there is a real issue that needs to be addressed. And it was the, the, the move of the people that said, you know who the best people would be for this? These people who understand their world better than anybody else. So they called these Greek, these Hellenist believers to come and to be a part of moving the church forward. They're going to understand better than anybody else. They elevate them to these positions of servant leadership. These guys could, could relate with the perspective, the challenge, and so they appointed them. And all I know is they must have just turned them loose. <laughs> they appointed them and they turned them loose. And, and they got after it. And here's what I love. Because of involving God's people in the mission... They didn't dismiss them. They involved, they involved God's people. And what you see is they kept moving forward. 
The church kept moving forward. Verse 7 says, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. It could have gone differently. It could have gone differently. But by God's grace, they embraced the challenge. They protected God's priorities of Scripture and prayer. They involved and engaged God's people. And they moved forward. The word of God continued to increase. And the number of His disciples multiplied. This is encouraging. This is encouraging because there's always a right way to walk through a rough situation. And so by God's grace, this is the local church. The context of this Bible, uh, these scriptures, is it's the local church. So as brothers and sisters, we are together. That anytime there is a disagreement or there is a, a different perspective, there is value in that. And that by God's grace, we can walk through it. We can walk through it. We can walk through anything. By God's grace, we can walk through things together. And as we do, by God's grace, we will continue to see Him multiply. And here's what I love. That as a result of their gospel witness in their community, I love this. It's almost like a passing statement, but priests got saved. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I mean, like evidently, these priests observed what was going on in the local church. That they heard the word, they heard the gospel. And it wasn't just the word, but they saw the gospel shining through the lives of the New Testament church. They didn't have it all together. They had issues. We just read about it. They're going to have more issues. We're going to read about that too. It's all good. Because we're all works in progress. But as long as we keep our eyes on Jesus and our focus on the mission, we can keep moving forward. And so what I love is that through their witness and through the power of the gospel, far from God, people are coming to faith in Christ. I wonder how many of us there in Jerusalem, and I'm just going to put, you know, pick on myself. I wonder how I wonder how often I would look at a, a priest, a Jewish priest and say, man, there's no way. There's no way. They're so far from the Lord. They're so steeped in tradition. They've heard this gospel message probably countless times by this point. And so you, you almost get the sense like, I wonder if they ever almost came close to giving up praying for that person. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just processing this text. But what I love to see is there is no one out of the reach of God's grace. Amen? Amen. There's nobody outside the reach of God's grace. Let this be an encouragement to us. Those people possibly that you've been praying for over and over and over and over, far from God people come to faith in Christ. And so by God's grace, may we keep, keep praying, keep trusting. And by God's grace, we work through even the rough times, but we, rough, we walk through the rough times, not by ignoring it, but by embracing it. That we guard intimacy with God. The number one priority of, of any believer is simply this intimacy with God. 
prayer and scripture. Before Jesus ever told his disciples to go and make disciples, before he ever told them to go, they, he, he commanded them to be with him. Because if, if the Holy Spirit's voice isn't the loudest through prayer and scripture, then the world's voice will be. And so, and so they protected God's priorities and they involved the right people and they moved forward. And so this is a great blueprint for the local church. But I love the power of the word. The word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And though the context here is very much a local church situation they're working through and food distribution needed to be taken care of, the, the, powerful, the powerful truth of the word is oftentimes you see these principles in scripture and you can pick them up and you can lay them across your lives. And so it could be that even as we look at this text, that perhaps there are areas of our life, perhaps there are things in our life, that perhaps people who love us, maybe more than anybody else does on the planet, they speak into our lives and they're giving us warning flags. And they're giving us warning flags because they love us. And this early church example, there was concern, there was love, there was care. That's why they were working through. It could be that, that someone has spoken into our lives and they've shared an area of concern. And so it could be this thing where it's like, we, we can, we, if we get in our flesh, you can get, be tempted to, uh, to be frustrated. You can be tempted to say, but you don't understand. You can be tempted to, to sweep it under the rug. But like I said, the more you sweep something under the rug, the bigger the lump under the rug comes to where eventually you have to keep working around it every single time. When I believe what God wants to do in our lives is set us free from those areas of struggle. And that what God wants to do is not cover it. He wants us to uncover it. So he can cover it. I, I love that truth is that anything we uncover, God covers by his grace. And so perhaps there is something in our life, an area of our life, the Holy Spirit revealing to us as believers. Like, you know what? This area, this thing that, 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 that we don't want to address, we don't want to look at, we don't want to talk about. Perhaps it is time. Perhaps it's time to embrace it. Not saying love it, I'm just saying embrace it. Because the way to move forward is to embrace it. And as we embrace, we are careful to guard God's priorities for our life. That we saturate our hearts with His Word. We spend times of prayer so His voice will be the loudest as we walk through our lives. And it could even be this, it could be that you are walking alone down this road. It could be that you feel alone as you walk down this road. And it could be that the Lord would be nudging your heart to say, you know what? I know I'm with you, Holy Spirit living in you as a believer. But perhaps there's someone that you need to involve in your life. Someone that can come alongside you and can walk with you. It's what the body of Christ does. And so perhaps today, if you're... That one who's been walking that road alone, perhaps the Lord is saying, perhaps it's time to invite somebody in. Because look at what happens. When that happened, the church continued to multiply and far from God people came to Christ. That perhaps, no doubt, the Lord wants to move us forward in 
our relationship with Him for His glory, for His mission. So this has the potential of landing in all kinds of different ways. I know how it's landed in my heart this week. And uh, I just pray that, that the Holy Spirit encourages you with this word today. This is an encouraging scripture. And that we would respond as the Holy Spirit would lead in our heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, thank you for the gift of coming together as the body of Christ. God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. God, thank you for your love and your care. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit, God, to lead and guide and shepherd us through a very broken world. And God, I thank you for this, this path, this path that the apostles took, that it had to have been difficult, it had to have been challenging. But yet, God, you see it all. You see it all. And God, as they, they stepped in and they leaned into the challenge, and as they guarded your priorities over their lives, and as they engaged and involved the right people in that right situation, you worked. And you kept on working. You kept on working. You work through your church. Your plan A to reach the world is through the church. And so, Father, as a church, may we always be careful to walk through tough stuff with a heart of unity and love and focus on your glory and focus on your mission. God, I pray for um, just my brothers and sisters here today that perhaps we take these principles found in this text and we lay them across our lives. And God, you're always working on us. And I'm so thankful that we don't go about this in our own strength. We never could. But through your grace and through the power of your spirit, God, you continue to mold us and shape us more and more into the image of your Son. And so, God, in, in ways we're tempted to compartmentalize, put this thing over there and try to ignore it, perhaps it's time to say, you know what? It's time to pull the rug back. It's time to uncover so that by God's grace, He can cover with His grace and care and love pull people in to walk alongside and Father to know that victory lies ahead. God I pray for the person who may be here today, maybe listening in online who doesn't have a relationship with you for perhaps whatever reason but perhaps somebody is listening because another believer encouraged them to, encouraged them to come, encouraged them to listen that perhaps that person has seen this believer's life and they see a difference. It's different than the world. It's a life marked by servanthood and love and humility and grace. And Father, I pray that could it be today that they need to hear this gospel message is for them. We can't take care of this sin thing on our own. Only by Your grace. And so... For anyone here who doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray today they would be encouraged of how they are loved and how they are cared for and how you love them so much that you gave your one and only son and you lived a perfect life 
And you were crucified on a Roman cross to pay the price for our sin. Our sin comes at a price. And we deserve that price, but you took it for us. That's how much you love us. You took our punishment for us. You bore our shame for us. And that they placed your body in a tomb and you resurrected from the dead, giving victory over death, hell, and the grave. And so, for anybody here that doesn't have a relationship with you, may they know that God demonstrates His love toward them and that while they were yet sinners, Christ died for them. I pray today they would acknowledge their need for you, repent of their sin, and place their faith and trust in you and you alone for salvation. God, we love you and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to have a, just a time of response. And just want you to know that it is a blessing to be able to pray for you, pray over you. If you're here, we have pastors here. We'd love to pray over you. If you want to pray at the altar, please come. Perhaps there's something you just need to call out to the Lord for. Pray that the Lord would work in a mighty, mighty way. Perhaps there's someone even in the room you want to come close to and say, let's pray. Let's do it. Let's give this time to the Lord.